This is Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast, episode number 198. This is the Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast with Andrea Owen, a no BS guide to self-help and badassery. Because ladies, let's face it, life's too short for it to not kick ass. And here's your host, the girl who serves it up straight with a side of crazy, Andrea Owen. Hey there, Ask Kickers. Welcome to another edition of the podcast. As always, thank you so much for being here. I'm so glad that you decided to join me today. And we are rounding out the end of January. I am also, as I'm recording this, rounding out the end of my book tour. And we are also rounding out the end of this recovery series. I have been so blessed to have another nine conversations with amazing women in recovery. I hope you have enjoyed all of them and I sincerely hope that they have helped you in your recovery or helped you understand addiction if you care about somebody that is struggling in that area. I just wanted to listen to these stories to gain a little bit of insight. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. And this episode is a solo one and I am going to go ahead and read to you and of course ad lib a couple couple of blog posts that I wrote years back. One is from my second anniversary of my sobriety and then on my third year of sobriety and just things I wanted to talk about, some stories I wanted to tell that many of you probably don't know because you might be new to the podcast or if you have heard them, it's always good to hear the stories over again. Just one more thing before we get started. I am so excited for Monday. We are starting a new thing over here on the podcast. Starting on Monday, February 5th, I am going to start rolling out solo episodes that are daily, Monday through Friday, short mini-sodes, if you will, and there are going to be corresponding emails. I'm really excited about this. It's you know just switching things up a little bit, just a little spice of life, changing it up, and each week has a theme. Each Friday will also have a worksheet that corresponds to what I've been talking about all week to help you in your life. So if you don't get my emails already, you can do so very easily by texting the word kickass, make that all one word, to 444-999. You'll also be able to grab from doing that my free ebook and audio all about the inner critic, which I'm sure everybody listening at least kind of struggles with negative self-talk. So that'll be an extra bonus for you. Again, just text the word kickass to 444-999. All righty then. This first post is from September 27th, 2013. This was my two-year sober anniversary. So here we go. I want to start this post by telling a story that is really hard for me to tell. And I tell it in hopes that it helps someone else. In May of 2011... I made my first attempt at sobriety. I made it until September 26th of that year. I was in active recovery, and in hindsight, a few things happened that were slowly chipping away at me. One, I kept hearing the voice that I wasn't that bad, that I wasn't like, quote-unquote, those people Those alcoholics that told their stories, that had been arrested, that had DUIs, that had lost their children, etc. The voice whispered that since that wasn't me, surely I could moderate and drink like a normal person. 
So on September 26th, 2011, I got into an argument with my husband. We don't argue often, so when we do, I can tend to slip quickly into, this is it, it's over, he's going to leave me land. It's one of those huge triggers for me. It's just one of those really vulnerable places where I feel like I've lost control over a situation. And obviously, it's a situation that's very important to me. In that late afternoon, he left the house to go for a drive, and I sat at home alone and desperately wanted to drink. I called a friend in recovery, and she talked me through it. And I, as I sat there alone in my glass case of emotions, I didn't want to drink because I didn't want to break my sobriety. I had too much pride, and I also didn't want to have to start over. At that point, I'd been sober since May, June, July, August, September. So I had just like a handful of months. And plus the shame of relapse was too much to bear for me. But I remembered hearing that if you drank enough NyQuil, you could get a buzz. And I I, rem- I remember that thought came so quickly to me. It just like out of nowhere just hit me. Oh, you know, if I drink NyQuil, you could get a buzz. And since it's technically not drinking, it's like a loophole, right? Smart. So 10 seconds later, I was in the bathroom chugging a bottle of cherry NyQuil. A few minutes later, I remember standing there in the living room and I was not buzzed. And then I remember hearing that vanilla extract could do the same thing. So I went to the pantry and took a drink of putrid tasting vanilla extract. And as I put the lid back on, I turned the bottle around and I looked closely at it to see that not only had a murky sediment gathered all along the bottom, but the bottle had expired in 2005. And keep in mind, it was 2013 at this point. And to think I was trying to convince myself that I wasn't an alcoholic. As I say this, (laughs) I'm embarrassed to admit it. But now I understand just how cunning, just how baffling, and just how powerful alcohol is to an alcoholic. I didn't think clearly and rationally at that time at all. And I remember thinking, okay, I'm an educated person. I've done years of my own personal development. I'm in the helping profession for Pete's sake. And the reality is that none of that matters at all if you truly are an alcoholic. You don't get extra credit for that. I don't care how smart you are or how much personal development you've already done. We can't think our way out of it. And I truly believe I needed that short relapse to prove to myself that I truly am an alcoholic. If the whisper ever comes back that I'm not that bad and maybe I'm not a real alcoholic and maybe my relationship with booze, you know, really wasn't as dramatic as I thought it was, I think back to my vanilla haze, as my friend Courtney so lovingly puts it, and I'm back to reality. And if I'm being really honest, I don't want to drink like a normal person. I don't want just one glass of wine. I want at least, bare minimum, three. 
And I want those three in a big ass glass. And if there's red and white, I just can't decide. So I'll have a few of each. And this is insanity. I tell my story, not for the pats on the back or the congratulations, but to show others that even people like me are alcoholics and that there is hope in recovery. I tried to quit back my, my, by myself in early 2011. I strung together six miserable days. It wasn't until I reached out for help and started a recovery program, for me that's what worked, then I was able to not just stop drinking, but stop obsessing on alcohol and be able to feel my feelings without resorting to drinking. And that, my friends, is a fucking miracle. So if you're that person who thinks you aren't that bad like I did, you may very well be right. You're not that bad right now. But alcoholism is progressive. And I can assure you, if you keep drinking, you very well might get to be that bad. I don't know how long it will take. But for me, I didn't want to wait and find out. I left the movie early because I was sure the way it was going to end. And if I left and chose another way, I could change the ending. So then this post is one year after I wrote that. This was on my three-year sober anniversary on September 27th, 2014. On Saturday, September 27th, 2014, I celebrated three years of sobriety. I considered not writing about it this year, thinking to myself, well, nobody needs to hear about it anymore. They all know you're an alcoholic in recovery. I did write about it the year before and thought maybe that was good enough. And then on Friday, I got an email from a friend that needed to talk to me about her drinking. And a few weeks before that, another friend asked me if she could give my contact information to her friend who needed support. Both of these women are moms and both of them needed help. And neither of them would have known I could help them if I had never come out with my story in the first place. So I speak again. A couple of weeks ago, I was at a meeting at my son's school. We're brand new to this school, having just moved to this state in late August. By the way, side note, I wrote about this in my book because this particular story was so (laughs) pertinent to me. And so when I wrote this post in 2014, it had just happened a couple of weeks before. Back to the story. He's in first grade and has high-functioning autism. I sat in a conference room with his teacher, the special needs coordinator, and the school principal. It was nothing new. I've had these meetings before. But this being a new school, we had to do, we had to go through the typical paper trail, have witnesses and sign papers. The special needs coordinator led the meeting and was reading parts of his file aloud. And as she read his report given to us the year prior from the psychologist, she got to the part about his diagnosis and his family history. Colton's mother was diagnosed with anxiety and panic disorder in 2002, and she has a history of substance abuse. She continued with other facts that had nothing to do with me, and the meeting continued as normal. But in that moment, I felt like I'd been punched in the gut. Has a history of substance abuse. Instant shame washed over me. Chalk that up to a please let the floor open and swallow me up moment. I immediately wanted to interrupt her and explain myself to these people, these women I barely knew. 
the principal with the PhD, my son's teacher, and the pregnant special needs coordinator that just 20 minutes before laughed with me as we exchanged funny pregnancy stories. I wanted to tell them, well, substance abuse doesn't really describe me. I mean, I wasn't a drug addict or anything, just wine and beer too. Oh, I've been sober for years now and I was never like arrested or anything like that. Yep. Just too much wine. So see, I'm good. Not bad at all which at that time would have been a bit weird and uncomfortable. And I'd love to tell you that since I do what I do for a living and because of all the work I've done on myself and continue to do, and because I speak publicly about my journey, that now I'm immune to the shame, but I'm not. I don't know if I'll ever be. If she'd said, Colton's mother has a history of high blood pressure, I would have felt no shame. But to be outed as an alcoholic in front of people you don't know, where you worry you'll be judged or whispered about, it's hard stuff. I don't want to be judged. I don't want to be known in my community as the lady with a history of substance abuse. I know it's not really who I am. I know this in my heart. But still, after three years of being public with my story, I still feel fear and shame. You might be wondering if it's gotten easier. Yes, it has. I think in that conference room, the shame was so visceral because it took me by surprise and I already felt vulnerable not knowing anyone in this new city. Plus, we were talking about my son, so it was the perfect storm. As the last few years have passed, it's gotten easier to talk about, but it certainly depends on the situation. And I think that meeting reminded me how painful it can be for people new to sobriety or thinking about getting sober. And that's really what I wanted to talk about today. That intense shame can keep people drinking for years, decades even, can pull them back into drinking after years of sobriety. Of course, other factors come into play, but shame can cripple us. Years ago, had I felt shame like that, I would have just drank it away. Went and hid in a bottle of wine where the shame would have been suffocated for a few hours that evening, only to wake up again the next morning so the cycle could continue. Same shame and fear and thoughts revolving around drinking. It was the same feelings every day. And when you're an alcoholic thinking about getting sober, you have to weigh those two painful things out. Quit drinking plus deal with asking for help, going to those meetings where those people are and actually talking about it all, scary, or continue to drink when you're pretty sure that it'll get worse and continue the cycle you already hate, also scary. For me, I had to reach a point where the latter was scarier, where it was scarier to continue the cycle and watch it get worse. Lucky for me, I only stayed active in my alcoholism for a short time, and I was blessed to have people in my life I trusted to reach out to for help. I knew where I would end up if I kept drinking, and that scared me more than anything. I knew alcoholics only go one direction, worse. I knew I had to quit. Does the shame hit me every day? Certainly not. But I know I can do hard things. You can too. I survived and I'll be okay. And I hope if you're listening to this and you think you need help, you ask for it. Shame will keep you sick. It won't go away but you can walk through its shadow and ask for help. 
So that was it. That was the two posts that I wrote on my second and third anniversary of my sobriety. And now as I read this to you, I have six plus years and it's interesting to read those. I think that, you know, I still remember that day, that wash of shame, like it was yesterday and it was, it was three and a half years ago. And yeah, I don't know if I have much else to say except that I am so honored to get my talk to get to tell my stories to all of you and I hope that even if you don't feel that because I always say this, you know, telling your story publicly, it's not for everyone, but I do think that it's important to tell our stories to the people that matter to us, especially if you are someone in recovery and long-term recovery that you can tell your story maybe just with your community, maybe just with your close circle of friends so that you can help other people. All right? All right. Thank you, Ask Kickers. Thank you so much for being supportive of my new book, How to Stop Feeling Like Shit. It's been out for almost a month now as I'm recording this, as this as this podcast episode is coming out. And it's been amazing. This book tour has been amazing. Meeting all of you has been just incredible. And thank you, thank you so much for helping this book be such a success. And until next time, I will see you out in cyberspace. Bye-bye. 